if anyone ever gets the chance to do ayahuasca, it's not a magical fix. You have magical experiences and moments. However, the integration of whatever you are showing, whatever you have to go through is more the journey because I'm still doing that. I'm, and I will continue to do that over the next year or so. I Each day, I learn something more about myself and, and can connect it back to what I was showing. Hey there, and welcome to the Soul Talks podcast. We are your hosts, Julie Gerber, inner critic and body image coach. And I'm Sarah Vasquez, breakup recovery and empowerment coach. Tune in as we dive into conversations about the pursuit of your desires so that you can feel confident and become magnetic in life and love. If you're ready for some deep soul talks all about dating and love, the relationship you have with yourself, and some crazy wild stories along the way, grab your girlfriend, a glass of wine, or your favorite drink, and enjoy the ride. So welcome back, all listeners. If you have not checked out episode part one of my ayahuasca experience, definitely go ahead, listen to that as I share a few different discoveries that I had. However, that was just the beginning. (laughs) There is so much more for me to share as I was there for a week and we did two ayahuasca ceremonies plus a bufo ceremony. So just to kind of pick up from where we left off in part one, I would say the remainder of the first ceremony for me continued to be, for the lack of a better word, a journey. (laughs) So uh, there was numerous uh, tears shed to the point where I do recall even waking up at one point during the evening or very, very early in the morning and seeing this pile of Kleenexes beside my mattress and realizing how many tears I had actually shed throughout that process and throughout that evening. So for me, what I overall experienced was essentially having to relive a few very emotionally intense experiences in my life. And a lot of them centered around relationships or centered around some type of self-harm. So for me, I experienced an eating disorder when I was about 13. For a couple of years, I was sort of in and out of treatment and it actually had me re-experience the physical aspects of that, which I know for me going through the journey, I was resisting. And I can recall even having this conversation with mother ayahuasca and, and essentially kind of begging her to not have to go through that again. But once I was actually able to surrender, which I quickly did recognizing that that was the whole purpose is showing you things that are going to be hard are going to be challenging and emotional. Once I fully surrendered whatever she was showing me became manageable, didn't become easy, definitely wasn't easy. So that piece of the experience for me was reliving the physical pain that I do actually recall having being, you know, a teenager and trying to really, really control this part of my life because I was for some time really feeling such chaos around me and not having a sense of understanding who I was, my emotions, I leaned on controlling my physical self. 
And through the ayahuasca experience, I had to actually feel those physical pains that I had (laughs) when I was 13. So throughout that, it was really this forgiveness, but also a beautiful experience where I was actually able to say to mother ayahuasca to myself is that I never want to experience that again. I have such compassion for that younger version of myself for feeling like that was the only thing or the only way to go through life at that time. And there was love through that. Like there was love where I was almost sending myself love and just seeing that again, this is something where my needs weren't being met and no one was essentially stepping in to help me. So that again was a message that kept coming up for me is why is no one helping her? Why is no one helping her? Even when she was young, now she's a teenager, clearly struggling and no one's has the skills to help her. So um, Mother Ayahuasca essentially was showing me that although no one was necessarily helping me, that that didn't need to define me anymore. That didn't need to be my story anymore, that I could release that. So I, interesting enough, thought that that would be a point during the ceremony where I might actually physically purge and was surprised that I didn't that, that the purge didn't come. And it was quickly sort of went through the pain, went through the emotion and then forgave and on to the next. Was the pain that you were experiencing, was it because that deeper part of you felt so abandoned and neglected in your childhood and that helping me was coming out through your journey or was it the self-harm? Was it a mixture of things? What was showing up at that moment for you? That was the discovery in that. It was a bit of both for sure. It was like that hunger pain and physically having to re-experience that piece and recognizing how torturous in a way that was and forgiving myself. Yep. Forgiving myself for believing that I needed to do that to my own body and seeing beauty within, although this, I had that experience seeing beauty within myself and then just releasing it and moving on. And then it was like, okay, what's next? What's next? Show me, (laughs) show me what you got now. Because for me, I mean, that was such a marker in my life. And for a good portion of my life, it was something that I kind of ran from. I didn't want to be connected to it. And then it actually became really important to me because I had a gift. I knew how to help others come to healing with eating disorder, body image, self-worth and made my career around that. Um, So there is gratitude coming back again. I am grateful for that experience. And now interesting enough, and this is what mother ayahuasca essentially showed me late at the night at the very, very end, when I'm exhausted, that there's a new path for me that I actually needed to kind of close the door on that chapter. So as people might even be following me, you're going to notice a shift in my content, notice a shift in how I'm moving forward and helping and what my focus is being, because that was a pivotal moment for me to actually say, 
that this chapter is now closed. And I've spent the last, I would say 12 years in the field of eating disorders, body image, body dysmorphia, anything sort of around that insecurity. And it's time for me to close that um, and recognize that that's taught me something amazing and I'm ready to move beyond. I've always said when people have asked me to previously talk about my own eating disorder and recovery, initially I used to always say recovery period. And then I reached this recovery done, moved on. And now it's recovery and beyond. And I actually feel like my career is going to reflect that because I'm not connected to it in the same way anymore. Um, I'm moving beyond that. And, and I know from helping so many clients over the years, once they reach, whether it's a, a place of recovery, whether, whether it's a place of maintenance, whatever word that they want to describe, wherever they identify that, oftentimes they don't want to talk about it anymore. They're ready for something new. They're ready to say, okay, I feel more secure and safe in my body and my physical self. Now let's talk about all the other amazing things that life has to offer. And that's where I'm moving in my coaching practice. And that was such a big message that I got during the ceremony night one of visions about future. And I actually wasn't expecting the visions of, of future things, but that came towards the end, once I was able to forgive, release, and let go of all of these events in my life from basically being a baby to today. And then it showed me this future. What's incredible, and I love to hear is that you're going through a big career change. It's not that you're not going to coach anymore. It's about changing your focus on who you're serving. And I have a best friend of mine that is actually a career and strengths coach. And the leap of that, the the ability to see that, uh, embody that, accept that, and then move through that career change takes months at times. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of resistance to that change. So the mm -hmm. fact that you went on this journey, and I know you and I, we talk outside of, because we're close, we talk outside of soul talks. And you were mentioning how you wanted to change this part of your life, this, this mm -hmm. coaching. And I think it's so beautiful that you're allowing it to seep in and integrate. And now where are you feeling? You know, I know that this is still integrating, but where are you feeling this is taking you now? So it is taking me down, I think, exactly the path that I'm in. And that is finding my beloved, finding that relationship that is going to be for me, my forever. Because I've had beautiful relationships and mother ayahuasca showed me those. So I've had three significant long-term relationships since I was about 17 to today. And each relationship was intended for my highest good and my highest healing. And through the ceremony, I was able to see why each partner was brought into my life, what I needed to learn, and then that I needed to let them all go. So something I didn't want to do, because if people know me, I have continued to, I would say, stay friends with exes and not always immediately, 
and there's you're going to find so much information out there of whether you can have a relationship with an ex as a friendship level. For me, the ceremony showed me something important of why those individuals were in my life, why they were my romantic partners. And each one, there was something that I had to do or experience through the evening. And then each one of them, there was a goodbye ceremony. What were the lessons that each relationship taught you that led you to where you are now? So still learning those lessons though, (laughs) but through ayahuasca, it did for sure. My very first relationship, um, I would say uh, it taught me what love actually is, right? It was experiencing love outside of my immediate family. And and obviously, um, as I had shared, I was maybe not getting all of my emotional needs met when I was a young child to my adolescent years. Um, And again, and I have beautiful parents. It's not, not to say anything negative necessarily about them. Yet I came into this human experiencing needing something more than what they were equipped to provide. So my very first romantic relationship actually taught me initial love through my partner, but then his family too, because I was very close to his family. And I, and, and I still have conversations with his mom and his dad So they're, you know, far in between, but they're there. And his family was so supportive of me from the day he and I started dating to today, right? They still are. Um, So that was one lesson that I got to see. And I actually was asking, I asked Mother Ayahuasca, is that relationship intended to be forever? And it was clear because I didn't know because I had always thought, why do I still have this connection to my first love? Like, why haven't I actually fully moved on or like, oh, and and the message was clear. No, that is not a forever relationship. That was a very important relationship. And then it said, you need to say goodbye. And it was me that needed to say goodbye. So it had me actually physically kind of through this vision, I witnessed myself saying, saying goodbye. Thank you. Thank you. Gratitude time to let go. And another relationship where I would say there was lots of codependency on both of us. And I think we also had some toxic elements as well. And it didn't actually give me too much about that relationship because I've also done so much inner work around that particular relationship that it was, it was very quick where it was just sort of showed me some anger that I was still maybe holding on to. And it had me actually express the anger and then let it go, let it go, move it on. And then this third relationship, I showed up as the fixer in that relationship. So I went from codependency to being the fixer, the healer, the fixer. And it had me actually witness this individual on a ship as though the ship was sinking and I was watching myself through this vision, like trying to save, save him, save the ship, right? You got to plug this hole. You got to do this. And, and I'm running around, running around. And then it made me stop in my tracks. Again, it was me. It was never the partner. It was me needing to stop myself and say, this isn't for me to fix, right? And it was almost like you need to save yourself and I need to save myself. And had me again say goodbye and step off 
the sinking ship. It was an analogy. I don't, I mean, again, nothing against that individual partner. Did you find that you were still going back into the past of your relationships and wanting to return to that type of love? Did you feel like there was this energy inside of you that was wanting to look to the past to find that similar type of love? Because Mm -hmm. what I'm hearing in all of your journey is that you're releasing. And I don't know if there's a subconscious part of you that was looking back onto the past and clinging of, I want that type, or is that ever going to come back again? Yeah. Yeah. I I love how you just described that a hundred percent. That's what I was doing. And it was essentially pushing me to release. Yeah. And interesting enough, now that you're saying that the second evening that we did ayahuasca, it was all about releasing and surrendering all of it. And it was actually physically really hard. It was a bit of a painful experience. I I would say it almost felt like I had the flu and I couldn't get rid of the flu. And you have, you know, when you have the flu and you're tossing and you're turning and you just feel awful and that, that feeling won't go away and you desperately want it to go away. That was night two. And that's all it was. I had no visions. I had nothing. It was just that battle, which overall, if I walk away from the entire ayahuasca journey, it was about me releasing, (laughs) letting the past be the past and stepping into my future, which it, it showed me future. It showed me future love. It showed me the relationship that I am destined to have and that I so greatly desire And it did show me, it showed me a future family, which again is always been something I was unsure that I was going to get to experience. So I'm recognizing it's, you know, June, June 13th, 2023, I will have that. And I, and I believe it, it's just going to come on a different timeline for me and not on the timeline maybe I wanted. So I again had, I have to surrender. Yeah. And this emotional release that you experience it was happening in your body. And that's where trauma is stored. Our mm-hmm. our emotions stay stuck and trapped into our body. And I, Mother Ayahuasca gave you that opportunity to purge it and release it. And so you're having this second day and you're feeling like you have the flu. So can you describe a little bit what you went through, what your body went through? Because everyone, she's alive. She's here (laughs) going through her own internal transformations. And you are such a testament to how you can actually work through your emotions and have the body actually release this intense suppression that we all have that creates trauma inside of our body. Mm -hmm. She's alive. She's here. And she's taken all the wisdom and she's Julie's making big leaps and changes in our life because of it. So mm-hmm. can you describe that for the listeners and how you were able to move through that in the process? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was definitely a, almost like this battle between my mind and my body. So my body was feeling one way and my mind was wanting it to be different. My mind wanted my second ayahuasca experience to just pick up from where it left off from night one and it wasn't happening. So my mind was really focused on why is it not the same? Why isn't it not what I expected? Why is my body feeling the way it is? And why can't I control this? Why can't I control the narrative and the experience? And this felt like it happened for hours, hours where 
I almost was getting a little frustrated where I wanted to call over the shaman to say, you know, it's not working. It's not working. Like, let me go. Like, I don't want to do this. This isn't working. And I resisted that a little bit and I'm not sure why, um, but I did. And eventually he came to me. And I think that's really what I wanted. I wanted him to come to me versus me having to seek out the support maybe. Um, And once he came to me, and we had a brief conversation, immediately I perched. Immediately, as soon as um, he had shared, you know, some inner wisdom about basically just breathe and just breathe into your experience in your life, I immediately felt the desire to purge. And once that happened, I was then able to just enjoy stop controlling. Like I didn't have to force anything anymore. I I then just laid back on my mat, listened to the music that they were playing, kind of watched others in the room and just eventually fell asleep and, and let go of this desire to have the same experience that the first night offered me. Wow. Full surrender and full release, even in the midst of probably the worst pain, some of the worst pain that you've experienced. And what I love and what I see in the beginning, you were talking about how this part of you wanted to be helped, help me. And yet in this trip, the second day you were laying there and you just said that you allowed someone to come to you. And I love that. I love just how you are already integrating the lessons of instead of going out and trying to fix and help other people, you allowed yourself that opportunity to be helped. That is so profound to me. My eyes are all teary because I relate a lot to that. And I know a lot of listeners can relate to a lot of that when you're doing so much on your own and you're doing so much for other people to the point of being self-sacrificial. And the fact that you allowed that is so profound and it's so huge. And I think that in of itself is a big lesson and mm-hmm. it's so beautiful. And this battle that you had between your mind and your body, again, just the mind chiming in, wanting to speed something up, you know, and we do this constantly in the mind distracting ourselves and doing busy work so that we don't feel anything in our body. And you're just such a beautiful testament to, to know that on the other side, everything gets better. And when we're holding on to what the mind wants or what our body is suppressing, it just gets better. Mm -hmm. So what other wisdom do you feel is still integrating or anything even showing up here as Mm -hmm. you're diving into this again? One of the things I'm finding is, although I was showing the visions of this future, this beautiful love and And it brought me to tears. It physically brought me to tears to know that there is this beautiful partner on the path. And interesting enough, uh, I could even watch or hear the partner say, it's okay, I'm waiting for you. Because it was like, I was like, I'm coming, I'm coming. I I just have to do a couple more things, right? I just have a few more lessons to to let go of, or a few more lessons to learn here, which I think is um, symbolizing some relationships that I have to let go of. And and I'm doing that. I'm doing that now that I'm home. The the piece that I, or the wisdom that I got from, from that is it showed me this. I experienced it. I felt like blissful, so happy. 
the next couple of days, just so happy in looking forward, you know, looking forward to this. Now that I'm home, the doubt of it has creeped in a little for sure, where I'm now going, well, where is that? Where's that future? Where's that future partner? Where's that future family? Where's that future growth and abundance that will happen within in life and in my career? Because it hasn't happened immediately. Um, so that's a piece that I'm I'm having to work on is full belief and trust. Full belief and trust and surrender. It's it's so wild. You get you have these beautiful, profound visions. And this is normal for all of us to experience, myself included. The human part comes out, the ego part comes out. Mm-hmm. And we can have a vision from God, or we can have a profound premonition or an insight or a dream. And it's so human to have the ego say, let's, I don't know if I can trust it, or let's just make this go faster. And I think the lesson in this, from what I'm hearing with you is to fully trust the process and trusting the process is an embodiment practice to where we actually live and breathe that yet the ego is coming in and trying to say, nope, I am in full control. I know how to handle this. Mm-hmm. So, and trusting that there's a reason why it ha- it hasn't happened yet, that there's still something that I'm learning or adding to myself in order to show up mm-hmm. and be the partner, the mother that I'm intended to be. Like that is a part that I now being home have been able to actually sit back and and really look at that and go, this is why I have not had children yet is because when I do, I'm showing up as a certain version of me because that soul that's coming in needs me to be that, be that version. Because if I showed up as a version of myself two years ago, three years ago, I wouldn't have been the right vibrational match for this spirit baby. What's your intuitive feeling with that on what that version of you is? Because we Mm. had these past three types of you, the one that found the love, the one that was codependent and the one that was fixing. And I know this is still integrating. So it's it's an an easy question. It's easy because I know it. It's self-love and Mm. (laughs) not to simplify it, but it is, it's, it's self-love. I know. And we did Bufo a couple nights after and the Bufo experience is a much shorter experience. It's, you know, 40 minutes long, very, very different from ayahuasca. But for me, the Bufo experience was actually about me finally loving little Julie, finally seeing her and again, brought me to tears because I was I was watching this little girl dance and play. And I was there as my adult self saying, I'm so sorry. I never realized how special you are, like how amazing you are. Like it brings me to tears to know that for, you know, 39 years, I didn't see that. And finally seeing that and seeing this little girl just be so happy and seeing her beauty and me showing up and seeing it as well. And for me with the Bufo, I kind of came out of it, which you do. Again, it doesn't last as long. And one of the most beautiful shamans there, 
um, she kind of came over and I don't know how she knew, (laughs) but she knew I wasn't done. So again, I think I came out of it because I thought I was done (laughs) and she came up and she blew smoke or did something. And immediately I went back, I went back and I had to forgive myself because I was, I was beginning to see how beautiful and unique she was, but then I was punishing myself for not seeing that for beating Mm -hmm. myself up for spending all these years changing her, Mm. not accepting her, not loving her. So as soon as she came to me, she must have, yeah, she blew smoke, said a prayer over me immediately. I went back in and it, and it allowed me to quickly say, okay, I forgive. And then this little child was happy and I was happy because Mm. now I feel the love. I have no resentment towards myself about it. And I, I forgive myself. Yeah. So that was, that was the final, final Mm -hmm. message, final lesson. I'm so beautiful, Julie. I think there's so much here that I could unpack with you and your inner child. I love that we're leaving with the inner child because the inner child is the root of everything. And if we can connect to that part of ourselves, it comes out in all of our relationships. It comes out in how we are choosing people. It comes out in how we are living our lives, having relationships, conversations. It really comes out. And the fact that you were able to go back and see her with loving eyes, despite what happened, despite how she wanted to feel and be is so incredible. And it shows the strength of you and it shows the strength that all of us, each and every single one of us have within ourselves. And if we can connect to that part of ourselves, our inner child, and allow it to be free and to forgive and to just own, own its quirkiness and weirdness and resiliency and all of its curiosity, I think the world would genuinely be a better place. Is there anything else that you would like to share any other thoughts that come to mind? For me, I think the biggest thing is that if anyone ever gets the chance to do ayahuasca, it's not a magical fix. You have magical experiences and moments. However, the integration of whatever you are showing, whatever you have to go through is more the journey because I'm still doing that and I will continue to do that over the next year or so I each day I learn something more about myself and and can connect it back to what I was showing so that would be my really important message to anyone that's listening is that if you choose or you feel the calling to go for an ayahuasca experience really invest in what are you going to do when you get home who are you going to be working with is there support through the facilitators that are um, organizing the experience? Will they be connecting with you when you come back? Um, Is there a group of people that will be there that will be available to connect with after? Those were very important elements for me. And now that I've gone through it, I can see why that is key. And and I've actively sought that support through the center that I went to and the people that went through the journey with me. But I've also gone back. I mean, Sarah has been an amazing person that I can connect with when I'm dealing with real life things, um, despite 
maybe releasing them um, and have in questioning, uh, questioning, should I be interacting? Should I be doing this? Even though I had an, a journey with ayahuasca where it showed me that I needed to release that Well, I'm finding my ego creeping in and Sarah's called me out on it lovingly. And I also, you know, thankfully I have a lot of other coaches and therapists that are available. So that's important. Definitely. Thank you so much, Julie, for sharing so much of your heart and your journey. It's such a beautiful, you had such a challenging, but beautiful experience. And I love what you said at the end, the integration that it doesn't stop. And I think that's a big message in this for me that I'm taking away is the journey of life doesn't stop, nor do the lessons or the healing. And this is a part of our evolution. And you're such a testament to showing up, doing the work, going in and having some truths sink in to then where you sink into those truths and you're shifting and you're integrating. So thank you so much for sharing your heart, babe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just, yeah, I'm just happy to be able to share this and yeah, if people have questions, I know we would love to hear them. People can always, of course, find us on Instagram or be added to our email list. Or if you have more questions about the experience, I'm happy to answer them and Who knows? There might be some future episodes. Stay tuned, everyone. (laughs) See you next time. If you made it to the end of this episode, that means you're truly committed to your healing and your growth. And we're really proud of you. New episodes are released every other Sunday. So be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss any of our special bonuses and deep soul conversations with expert guest speakers. Your opinion of the show means a lot to us. So we invite you to leave an honest review. 